Hello and welcome to Getting Goosebumps, the weekly podcast exploring the business of storytelling, where I interview many of the world's greatest marketers and storytellers to share their insights and ideas of how to put emotion into marketing. Hello and welcome to Getting Goosebumps. I'm your host, Brian Adams, and this week I talk to Brian Solis, Principal Analyst at Altimeter Group. He's a sought-after keynote speaker. He's a true digital thought leader, and actually I would describe him as a futurist as well, because he he literally um, appears to be able to predict the future. Um, We talk largely about his latest book, X, The Experience When Business Meets Design, and whilst talking to Brian, I was halfway through his book, um, but I've since read it twice, and... um, I'm finding it extremely valuable, particularly the fact that it's both inspiring and interesting, um, but also there's, there's tools in there which are incredibly useful. Um, Brian talks about the fact that um, focusing on the customer and customer experience rather than internal business processes, there's a huge economic impact, um, and he explains the fact that um, People are willing to spend more with companies that they believe in based on the experiences they, they have. You know, he questions whether businesses are really customer-centric these days. Uh, we look at um, just some of the tools, one of which is persona mapping um, and producing persona representation of your, of your customers. Uh, the dangers of getting it wrong, but also the value of, of really nailing it and getting it right. And uh, as you may know, if you've listened to a number of uh, episodes previously, I talk about empathy and what it means to, to our guests and how that translates to telling a great story. And, and Brian's got a brilliant take on uh, the power of, of empathy and why in the digital world we really need to show we care. And he, he backs that up with a great argument. So there's, there's lots of value in this short, sharp episode. I think you're really going to enjoy it. Um, hopefully you'll enjoy it but as much as me. So without further ado, uh, let's get into the show. So hello and welcome to another show, everyone. Today I'm joined by the one and only Brian Solis, author of a number of great books, but there's one just hot off the press called X, The Experience When Business Meets Design. Brian, thanks so much for joining me today. Oh, wow. Well, I am excited to be here and looking forward to this. <laughs> well, not as, probably not as much as me, Brian, because um, with um, usually, you know, if, if there's uh, something that catches my eye and somebody brings a new book out and all the rest of it, we, you know, we'll, we'll have a good conversation and talk about it at the end. But actually, what you're talking about from um, a customer experience point of view, and storytelling point of view is really sort of close to my heart, and obviously this podcast is um, is, is all about storytelling. So, uh, unsurprisingly, Brian, I want to talk to you about customer experience today. Um, and rather than just mentioning your book at the end, if it's okay with you, Brian, can you set the scene for our discussion by giving us a brief premise of exactly what your new book is about? Yeah, absolutely. So the book is called X when experience or business when experience meets design, uh, and the letter X really is sort of this confluence of a lot of really amazing disciplines uh, and movements that are happening within business. They just tend to happen disparately. So brand experience, user experience, uh, and customer experience. Uh, the thing that they all share, of course, is the letter X. And I figured, why why would we have disparate movements if we're trying to affect someone's experience, uh, if we if we just don't focus on the experience itself, then each of these movements are sort of acting by themselves. And so I really wanted to write something that 
grounded us all a little bit more consistently uh, and also uh, hopefully to be inspired around what an experience really is. And once you know what that is, then what do you do about it? And so the book really starts with, you know, asking you to close your eyes uh, and to remember one of your favorite experiences uh, and to really think about what it was that you loved about it, how it made you feel, uh, why you still remember to this day. Uh, and I think, you know, aside from smiling, uh, hopefully it's a, it's a lovely experience. You'll, then I ask you to now think about how you would deliver something like that for someone else uh, and not just one time but every time and that's that's what experience is really about and customer experience and all these other uh, these opportunities that businesses have to engage with people sort of miss that so what do I want you to feel what do I want you to think what do I want you to do how am I, how am I going to help you uh, reach your aspirations differently right and like these might sound like hokey questions to some people but it's it's real an experience is something that I think we take for granted yet people will have one every Every single time they engage with your company. Today, we leave it to chance. Uh, you know, if the marketing is great, if, if the product is great, uh, but the sales representative sucks or the packaging is, is, is generic or our customer support and service sucks, it, that's, those are all things that contribute to one master experience through the individual experiences that someone has. So if, if they're not all moving in the direction that you desire, then they are not working in your favor. So the book teaches you what an experience is and then how to design one in each moment and every moment of truth. Yeah, and, and it's interesting, isn't it? Because from a distance, um, you could sort of perceive this subject matter to be somewhat sort of fluffy and sort of secondary to the core um, objectives of a business. You know, but you say that 55% of customers are more likely to recommend you based on a great experience than the actual product or service that, that that's on offer, right? You know, so 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 this is this is affecting the the bottom line as well, right? Oh, the economic impact of experiences is incredible. That's why I had to spend time at the beginning of the book sort of persuading anyone who is reading it. You know, so, so there's half the people who are going to say, yes, absolutely. I, I, I believe in experience and I, and I, don't, I don't think it's fluffy at all. Uh, and then there are the other half or whatever the percentage is that say, well, this is an interesting topic. We've heard about experience design from companies like IDEO and Frog Design. Uh, and Apple, so you know maybe there's something here. So the first part of the book is is really stripping down what an experience is, right? And then also the 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 economic factors, the data, the statistics that show you that they not only contribute to the bottom line, uh, or they could for you, but if they're not getting experiences from you, they are going to contribute those dollars uh, or those euros or whatever you know uh, currency we're talking about to another company that's willing to give them that experience. And, and more so, they're willing to pay up to 20% or more for a, a product or service from a company if they absolutely believe they're going to get a good experience. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's it's not just customers either. I mean, it's it's any stakeholder that's valuable to a business, I guess, right? I mean, we, we do customer experience design in the world of recruitment and, and talent um, to help a candidate experience um, to add value to a candidate experience. And recently at an event, um, I started by asking how many in the room, and there was about, I don't know, there's only about 60 people in the room. How many in the room have, um, have thought about mapping their candidate experience, the, the customer experience, same thing, right? And um, two people put their hand up 
Um, so, so Brian, given that it's so important, um, why why aren't more businesses focusing on this aspect of of experience because it's integral? Oh yeah, well, <laughs> it is, but I think we tend to forget. We, because we think like stakeholders and shareholders. We we think like marketers and, and customer uh, support professionals. We think like IT professionals. We think like our job. Uh, so there's a natural cognitive bias that gets in the way of uh, the true customer centricity. Yet everybody, everybody will say that they're customer centric. But when you study it, really only the activities and things that companies are doing, only 7% really are, are are getting even close to customer centricity. So why we don't do it is because we've spent the last four or 50 years <clears throat> scaling because of technology. Uh, so call centers, um, uh, websites, uh, things that actually conditioned executives to get further away from uh, customers and at the same time uh, conditioned customers that they could sacrifice relationships for the sake of convenience. Uh, and that is... Well, obviously, we went down the wrong path, or we went down a path that taught us now, you know, how to apply technology and and and, and the the idea of experience together to build better relationships uh, now and and over time. So, I, I, I at least I'm an optimist. I don't want to believe that companies intentionally didn't want to be customer centric. I just think that we looked at technology and built an infrastructure around processes and services that just grew beyond our ability to get back to the customer. Now experiences are a catalyst uh, for getting us back to, to the center. And the reason we have to do that is because customers are connected, right? But there's also so many current trends that are pushing customers in their own direction, right? So if one of the reasons, uh, well, one of the, the the examples that you'll hear quite a bit these days is, you know, look what Uber did to the taxi industry, right? But it's partly... It's partly because of the technology, right? So I am able to call a car on my phone using an app that's already, even if it's the first time using it, already very familiar to me. Then uh, I can see the driver's location. I can see the driver's rating. They can see mine. Once I get in the car, then there's no technology. Now it's experience, right? It's the driver. It's the cleanliness of the car. It's the water that they have for you. Uh, it's their, it's their, their hosting, um, or concierge like mentality. So now you've, you've married technology with a human emotion. And depending on that experience, you're probably not going to go back to the taxi industry, but now you have Uber, you have Tinder, you have Airbnb, you have all these apps that are teaching you that you're the center of the universe. You have Facebook that reminds you every single day that people revolve around your orbit, you know, waiting for you to say something. <laughs> you know, so they uh, customers are now though starting to be programmed that this is the way the world is. So why isn't business like this? So why can't I do business like my insurance with my insurance company or my bank, uh, like I do with Uber or Tinder? Uh, and this is <clears throat> this is something that's becoming uh, actually pretty pretty accelerated, and it's ca- what's causing so much disruption. If you you saw it, and it's not anything that happens overnight, but it's all experiential, right? Netflix 
taking out Blockbuster, uh, Amazon taking out Borders and eventually everybody. You have uh, Uber in the taxi industry. You have uh, iTunes in the record industry. And now you have Spotify against iTunes. You, it, this is just – it's called creative destruction. It's, it's about 100 years old, uh, the idea of it is. But more so, if you think about the root cause of a lot of this stuff, it's just experiential. People want experiences, not products and services, and that's, that's what this is about. Yeah, absolutely. And um, it's it's interesting because, I mean, you've got a knack of writing about something and then it becomes mainstream. And I, th- <laughs> I think I think you did it, um, well, you've, you, you certainly did it with uh, social media in a number of ways. Um, but remember when businesses thought they could choose whether they, they could be on social media or not, and then the penny finally dropped and it's like, well, if your customers are on social media, you are on social media. It's just whether it's good or bad or indifferent or whether you're managing it. Is this kind of the same thing? Do you think this is now going to come to the forefront and the message is going to be, look, you have a customer experience. It's just that you're not managing it very well at all and everybody can see that. And you know, people, businesses are going to be called out for it. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, the <laughs> so thank you for noticing that. I mean, it's it's gone back to the '90s with with all aspects of digital and web and and mobile and social and and now with customer experience. Uh, well, the last book WTF really started to bring out the the need to pay attention to the customer journey uh, and how to design around it. Now we're talking about just full blown experiences. This is something that people, for some reason still think in this command and control mentality, which is the exact same thing that got in the way of all of the other things in the past, which is this. I design, therefore they come. I build a website. I build a contact center. Whatever I have, I'm building an infrastructure that guides them. And when people talk about customer experience, what they're thinking of is using those channels to try to do something good, right? Yet we have metrics that count how many times we were able to get calls through the funnel uh, in customer support, how long that those calls took, uh, how many, what was the volume. Uh, so we, we, I think we're sort of measuring the wrong things, not, hey, how do you feel? <laughs> you know, or, or, or even this, you know, we spend so much time on brand architecture. Uh, we've come up with a brand style guide. We come up with a, a, a brand promise or vision statement. And then if you compare that to, I don't know, how someone feels about the product in any one moment or how someone feels about the company in any one moment, you're going to find an experience divide unless you're Nike or Disney or Apple. Uh, and so this is, these are things that just, everything's there. It's just, you have to think differently. Uh, and this is what I ask uh, people to do in the book is that your customer is not yesterday's customer. So this whole infrastructure that you've built is actually starting to every day work against you. You have to see people differently. You have to understand that technology is affecting them. It's not It's not the way it used to be, right? It's not, hey, they have a laptop, therefore they'll have a browser, therefore they'll hit our website. It is now a mobile first and in some cases a mobile only world where pinches and swipes and zooms and and apps and and 3D touch are affecting how people go throughout life uh and when that happens and these apps cater to them they are i call them accidental narcissists you know but <laughs> <laughs> they don't when they when they contact you or when they when they talk to your sales reps or if you know you think about any number of industries they're going back in time, and it's just a matter of time until that 
is no longer good enough. And it's just a matter of time until the Uber of everything is starting to play out across you know, healthcare, banking, you name it. But here's what, why it's so important, is that we can't appreciate who they are because we're caught up in our own worlds, right? We're in email all day. We're in meetings all day. Uh, we still have you know, executives who still see the world through yesterday's lens. We have metrics and standards and reward systems that were based on you know, 40 or 50 years old, uh, 50 year old uh, business frameworks. That, that is just naturally in our way. Uh, and we can't make the case to do anything different if we can't see how people are moving away. So to your point earlier, that we have to be able to communicate economic impact and how it's going to play out now and over time in order to sort of create a sense of urgency. Uh, to, and, 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 and by the way, experiences are, it's the common thread. People will pay more for experience. People want experiences. So now we have to get into the experience businesses. And this is something that Joe Pine told us in 1999. And here we are in 2016 still talking about whether or not this is going to be a real thing. So I only wrote the book for people who believe that experiences are important, want to know what experiences really are because I don't think we actually know when we talk about them, and then how to design them. At a, at a holistic level and then in every aspect of the customer journey uh, and, and who the customer journey is or who the customer is and how are they different from you so that you can so just gain empathy from the, from the get-go. Well, I mean, empathy is a key word and I've spoken to a lot of people about this, um, particularly from a storytelling point of view. Um, I, forget who, I forget who said this, but it's people, people don't remember what you say or do, they remember how you make them feel. So empathy is it's absolutely so important. And I guess if we're a world of budding um, narcissists, like if we can empathize just a little bit as a business, we should, you know, it, it'll probably go a long way with our audience. And you... Um, there's a number of tools in your book um, that are really, really useful, um, which sort of bring it to life and, and make anybody be able to jump in and use this stuff. Um, one of them being um, you go through how to build a good persona. Uh, can you talk us through how how you see, um, first of all, the value of, a, of building personas and some of the pitfalls of, of not doing it quite right as well, because that was that was definitely an underlying message in in there as well, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there's so because because your your show is about storytelling. I think there's there's a lot of aspects here that are really important. Um, one is, you know, the way that we tell stories as brands today is you know, we, we sort of do the opposite of the traditional story arc in, in movies. Uh, so the the idea is that you build up to the story, and there's a big crescendo when you watch your movie or you read your favorite book. Uh, or in storytelling from a brand perspective, we go the opposite. We go all out really loud uh, and then we just disappear because that's just the nature of campaigns. But the idea is, well, what if you could stitch those together, you know, uh, starting with going really loud but also staying consistent? Uh, and that that's that's the idea of just sort of caring. And, and to your point about the quote of who said – uh, how you make them feel they'll never forget it that's Maya Angelou and, and it's uh, it's one of the one of the poems that inspired the book because that's that that was it that was exact there was two things there was that and then a, an, a quote I had seen about a one-year-old baby using an iPad uh, and then her father gave her an iPad uh, magazine she tried to use it like an iPad and started crying uh, and he said my uh, to my daughter uh a magazine is an iPad that doesn't work, and it's always going to be like that for the rest of her life. And so these are 
these are the things that were you know, that inspired me and you know, if I could just sort of give you an example from an experiential standpoint, I, I read the book. Of course, I, I had to, but <laughs> I read the book and then realized, wow, I am guilty of trying to do what everybody else is doing, which is just trying to tell you things are changing, but I'm not going to try to change myself. Uh, so after I read the book, I then started to realize, you know what, maybe what I need to do is spend time better understanding my frameworks to see if I can't make the book an experience in of itself so that the book becomes an exact model uh, for what I'm asking you to do. Uh, and, you know, so I studied people and behavior and attention spans and, and gestures and expectations and values and spent years, it took years to figure all of this stuff out. And then I, at that moment, I figured, well, hey, here I am at this crossroads. I could take all of these insights and design the most amazing digital experience, the most groundbreaking digital book, or I can actually do what I think we're all going to have to do, which is take those insights and apply them to much more practical things like the real world. Uh, and take those insights and then build an entirely new platform for doing business. Uh, and so the book, I mean, trust me, I only got a, a small percentage of what I wanted to get done, but I used the uh, sort of inspiration of if you could reinvent the textbook for high school, uh, knowing that these kids are digital first, but that they still have to use a book, how would you change the book format to promote learning their way, to be more familiar, uh, to maybe even convince them that they could pitch and zoom and swipe on a piece of paper because they're, it's just so uh, intuitive? Uh, and could you promote learning and retention that way? And that's, that's what I did with this book. And then I had to go fight the fight like any one of us has to do, which is going to convince, in this case, uh, executives at a publishing company that we were going to try a different shape. We were going to need different paper. We were going to need a, a different layout. I was going to have to do the layout. We were going to need a different printer. We were going to need a different supply chain because everything about this was not inexpensive, right? Uh, so what ended up happening is that we have now what I call a, mob, a, a an analog app. Uh, but... <laughs> The whole, the whole nature of it, even, the, even just looking at the book is part of the storytelling process. It understands who my reader is. I went through persona uh, development, understanding who they are, the challenges that they have, the things that they're trying to do, uh, how they're trying to do them. Uh, I looked at uh, ultimately who they're trying to reach, which are these you know, incredibly digital or uh, what I call Generation C, which is not a life, uh, uh, an age-based group. It's a lifestyle-based group, which you know, which is all you know. If you're if you're living on an iPad at 55, you're exhibiting the same types of decision-making uh, uh, behaviors as as a 25-year-old. So that uh, that was the aspect of just looking at the people who I needed to convince and ultimately thinking empathetically the challenges they're having with trying to reach these people who are their customers uh, and then using that from a storytelling and a design perspective to bring the book to life. So we killed the table of contents. We compartmentalized uh, aspects of, of, of this, of, uh, the, the topic so that you could come in and out as you need to uh, and and use that as, as a metaphor for you as you're thinking about your story, how that story is pervasive throughout life, but more so, how is it uh, important 
to whomever it is you're trying to reach, which means you have to figure out who that is uh, and get to know them a little bit before, so that you have somebody that you're writing with, that you have a, a sense of purpose. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And there's there's a danger there that um, you think you know your audience, uh, and you go off what 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 you think, um, you know. And so people doing this sort of half baked, they're probably doing more harm than good. Would you agree with that? You know, what what are some of the pitfalls of, uh, of the people fall into? Well, yeah. Well, it's it's just a lot of it is is gut based or assumption based, or even if we're using data, we're uh, you know I'd argue that maybe we're not we're not arguing the we're not considering the the right questions, uh, and and those answers sort of lead us on the wrong <laughs> on the wrong path. So yeah, there's a lot of this stuff that's assumptive, right? Like so, hey, our our, our customers are mobile. Uh, let's build a mobile ready website. That'll that'll solve it without actually trying to understand the intent or the context of somebody on a mobile device trying to do something right and who they are and what they're you know, why they would be on the mobile uh, device first and uh, what is it that they're ultimately trying to do? What do they do on a, day, a daily basis? These are things that help us better understand people. And you find that there's groups of people. And in the book, there's a great story of uh, Airbnb. You know, at four years old, trying to conquer the world, they uh, they too went through this process. They went through a storyboarding process. They brought in a Pixar animator, and it was. Uh, eye-opening for them. It was it was absolutely game-changing for their business. They realized they weren't reaching the, all of the people they needed to. And even still, they didn't realize what the Airbnb journey really was for people who rent their places out and people who rent from them. Uh, and it's completely pivoted their company in, in a major way. It's helped them grow, uh, <laughs> I don't even know how many per, uh, hundreds of percent. But it was because of the storyboarding process. And I'll, you know, hopefully you, when you read the book, you'll... Uh, You'll see exactly what happened. Yeah, no, it's it's um, it's an incredible story that actually, and um, I guess one of the things I got from it was very inspirational um, and bringing in a, a Pixar animator, <laughs> possibly not um, something that every business <laughs> can, can do. However, um, there's a there's a process you can go through there, isn't it? And it's a process of discovery and and uncovering um, some real hidden gems. Usually, there's there's a lot of opportunities staring you in the face when you go through this process, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, indeed, indeed. And <clears throat> this is a it's you have to just want to go through this process, right? It, yeah. you have to be. You have to be emotionally ready to understand that things are going to be different coming out of it, and that's the hard part. It's just it's it's actually getting to the point where you know you have to at least I don't have the words admit, but at least care enough to go down these new paths because yeah. change is change is never easy. But I'll tell you too that I went I, I went through the process. I hired the same Pixar animator uh, that that Airbnb hired uh, to help me go through this process as well, and th- it helped me rewrite. Well, it didn't help me. It made me rewrite complete complete aspects of the book, uh, and that also affected the design. So uh, you have to you have to be ready. And I have to. I'll tell you the truth is that you know years into this, and and at that point, I thought, oh my gosh, I, I can't possibly do this. <laughs> I'm, I'm really burnt out. I'm spent. I can't. I can't imagine having to do this again. And uh, and I did. It was absolutely the right thing to do. Uh, and in fact, I. I there was it, it led to more things I wanted to do, but the publisher said, "Look, <laughs> rein you in a little bit. We've we've uh, we've we've missed five ship dates, so let's go." Yeah, I mean, it, 
Yeah, I, I guess once you're immersed in this, it can go on and on. And listening to you talk, Brian, I guess there's also a perception that it can be completely transformational, which to some people in this audience, um, that'll be actually a terrifying thought. And I guess there's two ends of the spectrum, isn't there? You know, it can be completely transformational for your business as well as the customer. On the other hand, there's probably a lot of very small tweaks that you can make to your existing process that make a huge difference to your customer. Um, would, you, would you say that's that's right? I mean, there's there's probably just small things that make a big difference that you can do straight away if you jump into this. Yes, yes, yes. There, it's, it's so. Yes, it's absolutely transformational. And and for those who really gain momentum with this book, they're going to find that. Yes, it's it's going to change every aspect. It's going to bring new. It's going to create new departments in the organization. It's going to create a team that anyone who touches the customer journey is going to come together as part of an experienced team. Uh, it's 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 absolutely transformational and all in a good way. Uh, but it also talks about how to go through steps to find friction that exists today to start fixing little things to to start experimenting on new things to open new doors so that way you're not just completely con, you know control alt deleting business you're you're starting in ways that are absolutely practical and tangible and 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 there's momentum that comes along with that and you know this isn't um, this isn't something that that stops either because you talk about experience flow um, designing not just for now but for the future. How on earth do you just start designing for the future, Brian? Because we're not all like you who seems to be able to predict the future and write about it 12 months before it starts. How, how do we prepare our businesses to be able to do that? Oh, a lot of it. <laughs> a lot of it is a lot of it is um, politics and well, I, I say the best the best people in any aspect of change are those who act like lawyers, politicians, and cheerleaders, and that's because there's a bit of evidence gathering, right? Like data and uh, economic modeling, uh, things that you can do to just present little cases, not big cases, because I don't think anybody wants to hear the big cases. But then you have to be a politician to be able to speak uh, the language of the C-suite, being able to speak in ways that other people are going to hear you, because you can't just try to convince them like a religious zealot. They'll automatically just shut down. Uh, but then you have to convince, you know, you have to cheerlead people like, yes, this is the right thing. Look at all these other things, you know, and really look at uh, look at how how some of the best businesses in the world are getting getting around change, not what they're doing, but how they're doing it, right? And you should spend time talking to peers because they'll all tell you the same the same story as in, oh, well, we, we invested in these technologies and we did this and we hired this agency. First, it started with looking at, well, who are our real competitors, you know? And, and if you ask Starbucks, their competitor is anybody in the mobile space or the payment space, not the coffee business, yeah, yeah. you know? Yeah, uh, and if you look at Google, I bet you they'll tell you that one of their big, biggest competitors is Amazon, even though they're a search engine. You know, I think it's just looking at the people who are catering behaviorally to this new customer and be able to tell a human story internally in order to bring out a story that connects with customers better. Yeah, I guess what you're saying is uh, once you get started with this, a it, it's kind of addictive, and b it, it never ends. So. Uh, as you fix or improve one thing, it, it opens up a new opportunity to just keep keep moving forward and improving. Yeah, and 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 also I realized I didn't talk about the experience flow, but real, what what we're talking about is in in the 
like you just said, it's you keep improving. So we go through customer journeys, then we go through customer experience maps, and then we go through what Philips employs, which is experience flows. And they think about every touch that that customer has with the brand or product throughout the life cycle. So they have these beautiful maps uh, that show you in every aspect what they're doing, how they're coming to it, what they could possibly think or need in those moments so that anybody working on the experience is working towards an experience standard. So this is why the book really at the end of the day is, is helping you build out experience architecture, starting with what that experience should be. Yeah, and I guess finally um... – Going through this process, A, it makes your business just by default a hell of a lot more um, customer-focused, probably more customer-focused than, than you'd ever been if you go down this this path. And B, as a result of that, you're going to see a lot more customer stories and opportunities to tell authentic stories based on positive change. So, you know, for me, it ticks all the boxes from a customer experience and storytelling point of view. It's uh, It's a no-brainer. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just, you know, look, there's aspects of this book that will help you professionally as well. So as you know, in your work, there isn't just, this isn't just about customer experience. This is about employee experience. This is about experience in general. And these are just, just going through some of these exercises. You could, you could apply this to anything really. Uh, and I think the next frontier for this book, you could swap the word customer out and probably is replace it, globally replace it with employee and have a, a guidebook to an employee experience. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Absolutely. Don't take me down that rabbit hole, Brian, or we'll be here for another half an hour. <laughs> <laughs> that's <laughs> that's um, that's pretty much all we've got time for. But uh, I want to give the final word to you, Brian. So tell the audience where they can find out a little bit more about you, and uh, if there's anything you want to leave us with. Well, they can. Uh, I hope that they take a look at the book. They can find more uh, at xthebook.com or on Amazon or their favorite bookstore. Uh, and for me, I'm Brian Solis, just about on every platform, Twitter, uh, the web, uh, LinkedIn, Facebook. So hope to see you online. Brilliant, brilliant. Well, thanks for your time, Brian. I'd certainly recommend uh, your book. Uh, good luck with the um, the marketing of it, although uh, I, I see it's doing phenomenally well anyway. Hopefully, we'll speak to you again. But, guys, that is it for uh, another week. Join me next time. Thanks, Brian. So that's it for another week. I really hope you enjoyed that conversation. If you did, please feel free to subscribe or even check out our Getting Goosebumps marketing book available in Amazon. If you have any specific questions, you can also tweet us using the hashtag AskPH. I'd be delighted to answer your questions. Until next week, goodbye.